Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have comedian Neil Brennan. He's a co-creator of classics like Half-Baked and Chappelle's Show. I talked to Neil about working alongside Dave Chappelle, mental health, and his new one-man show. Neil Brennan, unacceptable. Up next, Neil Brennan. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. You know the rules. Download the podcast. We drop a fresh episode every Thursday. Leave a five-star rating. I also write a column each Thursday in the New York Post. Let me know who was your favorite guest. What was your favorite theme? What about Gone in 60 Seconds? Last call. This is that good old-fashioned soul food. Don't be selfish. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker about the Renaissance Man podcast. This is therapy. This week's theme is great expectations. It's almost a new year. For the most part, hopes are high right now, and they should be. Even though every new year, people make resolutions that they actually end up breaking in only a couple of weeks, myself included. Judge-free zone. A new year brings new beginnings if you're open to it. As the new year happens, you will have lived to see 2022. Congratulations. That will be a time to celebrate. But over the last couple of years, including myself, many people have lost family and friends to violence, COVID, and other unfortunate circumstances. So raise your glass in their memory and cheers to yourself for getting through it. I challenge you to think bigger about what you want this year. Instead of, I want to lose 30 pounds, what about this? I just want to make healthier choices in every aspect of my life. Instead of, I want to read a book a month, I want to read 12 books, how about I just want to read every day. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set intentions to build better habits each day in order to be a better man daily. This next year, let's have great expectations of ourselves. Let's go a step further and have greater expectations for our elected officials and the systems responsible for running this country. Together, we can push ourselves and each other to be greater. My next guest knows all about that. Neil Brennan continues to one-up himself. After co-creating classics like Half-Baked and Chappelle's Show, Neil continued his introspective journey towards finding himself and made the legendary Netflix stand-up Three Mics. I talked to Neil about working alongside Dave Chappelle, mental health, 
and his new one-man show, Neil Brennan, Unacceptable. Up next, Neil Brennan. Welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. You know what it is, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Our next guest is a comedic genius. Neil Brennan is the mind behind Netflix's Three Mike Special and the co-creator of Chappelle's show and classic movie Half-Baked one of my all-time favorites. He's also the host of How Neil Feel Podcast. And you can catch his one-man show, Neil Brennan, Unacceptable, which is currently playing at the Cherry Lane Theater in NYC. It is my honor to welcome Neil Brennan to the show. Jalen, it's nice, to, it's nice to, be, to be here. It's also funny to realize how old people are based on what they like of my work because i never like i've watched you on tv for when did you first come on tv 95 yes absolutely like like national tv started in 1995 and then been watching you 25 years now and it never occurs to me that anyone has ever seen anything i've done so it's just funny when you're like how big it's one of my all-time favorites so it's very it's very funny to hear Absolutely. And, and, and true story, you're, you're, and I mean what I say, you're a comedic genius, but I also read that you're the youngest of 10 children. Yeah. What was I it am. like growing up in a household that big? And when did you discover you were funny? Uh, well, what did you, how big is your family? I'm the youngest of four, single parent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you just get used to it, I think. I, 10 kids it should be said is too many. <laughs> like, let me just, I'm like living proof. Like it's too many. Like if you're thinking about it, don't do it. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, it was, it's pretty chaotic. Like, especially like Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. like, I mean, my parents were born in during the great depression. I do a joke in the show that my parents were born during the great depression and they were nice enough to bring it with them. <laughs> like they like it's a it's it was a pretty uh pretty tight environment so so it was i guess i was and then to the the second question uh i well let me say my brothers and sisters were all great to me and they used to one of my brothers was a an usher uh at the chicago stadium wrigley field comiskey mm-hmm. so i used to go to like game like I used to go to Cubs games like all the time I've probably been to a hundred Cubs games I used to go to Bulls games I this is how long ago I used to go to Bulls games because I'm 48 Mm -hmm. we're the same age so I went to a I went to a Bulls game and it was so long ago that I saw a little white girl mistake Michael Jordan for Orlando Woolridge literally it's like it's like 1984 uh, it was, I believe it was 85 because it, it wasn't even his rookie year, but it's a funny thing. Cause I saw him get disappointed mm-hmm. and like, and I like to think he took that personally and he never, <laughs> he, 
he decided no little white girl was ever going to mistake him again. Um, Orlando Woolridge, it must be said, incredibly ripped. Maybe the most ripped yes. person I ever remember seeing like, oh, this guy's shredded. Reddit. Yeah. Did you ever play against him? No, but I actually am friends with his son, followed his career, and that guy's a brick. Yeah, I'm sure. Body. I'm sure he's still it. Yeah. body fat. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's still it. What's his son like? Is he ripped? Yeah, his son is a professional. He works out, but he's not like his dad. Not many people are like his dad. Yeah, no, his dad was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what he, what is happening there, but he, that guy is shredded. Perfect definition. Chicago Sky win the WNBA championship. Did you get a chance to check any of that out? Can I did. returns home. Chance the rapper was front row representing. You talked about your love for Chicago sports. I did not watch any of the game. I, I do. I direct commercials sometimes, and I directed a NBA 2K commercial mm. three months ago that Candace was in. Mm-hmm. And I told Candace like she's like a, a unbelievably good TV personality. Yes. Like where I was like, hey, I all uh, everything aside, I I don't even I probably watched her announce forty times more than I watched her play. Where I was like, hey, I'm an asshole about this. You're <laughs> very good at TV. <laughs> yes. Uh, totally so weird. like she's like really like she can if she doesn't she can stop now as far as I'm concerned playing basketball and just like she'll argue with Shaq like mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like. I don't know. I, it's just like the energy's great. She's just a real, I don't know. It feels like everybody respects her and there's mm-hmm. none of that like for a girl shit. Correct. He's just like dope and yes. like no further questions. Been that. And I remember as a member of the Bulls when she won that championship in high school, they brought her team to the game and I got a chance to meet her then and follow her through Tennessee. And I totally agree with you about everything you said about Was her. Was she but I always a, pretty, pretty poised? Yes. And by the way, not only extremely poised, but dominant. Like she's been dominant on every level playing on the floor with a mega personality off of it. And it's great to see that now that the game has grown and the popularity and people are watching and they're more on TV and stuff, now people get a chance to actually appreciate it. Yeah, I'm yeah, I barely watched her play, but as a like as a it's because her personality shines through. It's she's yeah. not it does it seems like there's no separation between like in three, two, one, and then her on screen. She's just like, no, I'm just like I'm just like this. Probably as a Cubs fan, because you waited a long time to see them actually win the World Series. It helped you discover some comedy along the way. You know what I mean? How about yeah. just being a Cubs fan? The lovable losers, as people called them for years. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it was it was uh, it, it was certainly like uh, I always say, like when they they go comedy should get Emmy because they should have a best uh, uh, best picture for comedy in the in the Academy Awards. And I'm like, no, no, no one's going to get funnier from it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get funnier from a pra- from praise. Right. You'll get, like, a little more, com- like, 
but it's not going to be, you'll get, you'll grow more from, you know, like adversity. you can, you can, yeah, adversity. You learn more getting your shot blocked than, yes, correct, than, uh, than, than an easy lay in. It's like, so, so yeah, like that's been the, the odd thing was uh, in terms of baseball, I went to game six, I went to the Mets Red Sox game six. Mm. Uh, like the Bill Buckner game, and he played in Chicago forever. So I was like, oh, no, I'm used to this. Um, wow. So I was lucky. I was very lucky to go to that game. So I saw some cool – I just had access. My brothers and sisters all gave me a lot of access to the world. Like my brother was a caddy on the PGA Tour. So it was like I got to see, like, a bigger world. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And when did you discover comedy? And – not the act of being funny, but like comedy as a professional art form. And who were some Again, of the biggest inspirations yeah. growing up? Brothers and sisters. My brother Kevin is a comedian. So when I was in high school, I used to, I lived in Philly. We moved to Philly when I was in eighth grade. So I, I uh, moved to Philly and then I used to come up to New York on the weekends and my brother was just starting and like an average show when I was in high school and then I ended up coming here for college as well was like Ray Romano, John Stewart. Mm. And, and then I came here for college, Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Chris Rock was around not, and none of these people, especially successful. Mm. Chris Rock had, was in uh, Beverly Hills cop two and he had a Beverly Hills cop two jacket. And it was like, how did you get that? Classic. It was like impossible. Like, you were near a movie now there's so much content that people just like someone's shooting across the street you don't even ask what they're shooting whereas right. in the 80s if someone was shooting you would just go stand there and just stare and like what are y'all doing <laughs> what huh what can i like and now it's just it's so steady but but that you know louis ck was around just people that were not successful and then i ended up I like, so this is in the eighties. So you'll, again, so comforting or comfortable to be on the same timeline. Do you remember when Spike was doing press for do the right thing? Yes, absolutely. It, okay. it, it was controversial in a lot of ways because of the fight, the power and Chuck Correct. being public enemy. And the, and the, and the throwing the, the garbage can through the pizza place and, yes. and he was, he yes. was going to incite riots. So yes. he was doing press. And he, he said he went to NYU film school. And I was like, film school? Like what? Mm. So then I looked into it and applied and got in. And, wow. and then be, be literally because of Spike. And wow. so got in and, uh, and ended up moving up here and dropped out after a year of school. Um, how many, did you make it up? You went two years to school? I went to Michigan for three years, went to the draft, but I went back and got my diploma later. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do all that. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but like, but then when I got up here and like the guys my age, Dave was my age and I started, I had been funny. I was always pretty funny, like as a kid, but once I saw it as like a thing you could do professionally via my brother, then I was going to film school and then working at the comedy club at night. And then me and Dave hit it off. And why would we would kind of write, not even write together, more just talk, talk, talk a lot. 
-hmm. and uh, kindred spirits and and then that kind of snowballed into writing and et cetera. I have one more question about you before we get, and then we'll get back to me. Love um, it. I know people don't want to talk about Dave Chappelle this week. Tell me about your learning academy and what the what the what your impetus was and how you decided and what's it like day to day i just have a lot of, like whenever i hear about guys starting schools i'm like i like say no more like the minute lebron opened that the his academy i was like i donated money like yep here we go awesome and tell me about yours so we're open enrollment we're tuition free we're public charter it's in Detroit, my hometown, the neighborhood that I grew up in. And the work that I do is called bridging the education gap. My goal is like almost like a Robin Hood theory. I'm trying to take the student, for example, like my kids who get a chance to go to private school K through 12, that's an investment. And if that's $35,000, $40,000 a year, that's like almost a $480,000 investment. Uh, when you live in the suburbs, you have the opportunity to go to a suburban public school, which is also funded half as much. So in like West Bloomfield, Michigan, that's like 15,000 per year per student. So that again, puts you up around $200,000 per student. In Detroit, students get $8,000 per student. So that's $96,000. So I'm trying to take the student that grows up in the inner city that only gets $96,000 from the state invested in their education and put them in position to compete in life for jobs, for careers, for opportunities in college with these students who got more funding for their education. The second thing is People in society give up in particular on black kids when they start to get older. So more support goes towards elementary and middle school young people. The underserved group starts at ninth grade. And what I did is not only do I influence 400 current high school students, it's a nine through 16 model. I stay with them after high school via secondary education, whether that's trade, military, community college, or four-year college. So I now have students that I met in 2011 that I still influence 10 years later. This is like a, 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 a multi-million dollar undertaking yeah. um, because you're influencing a thousand young people at one time. I have a thousand yeah. scholars that I'm influencing at one time right now. And so, yes, you're right. There, there was a chance that all of the time, energy and money I invested could have gone down the drain before the school ever opened. Right. And then, and you probably had to, it's like running for Congress or something, right? Where you're like, I can afford to fly this to wherever to meet with this person, <laughs> but how would just a good natured person do it? Correct. Absolutely. Huh. And, and, and by the way, and, and as I pivoted back to you, I, it, it almost it, like I could have bombed. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. Right. To me, 
the toughest thing to do is to make a room full of people laugh that you've never met. Like it's the me, hardest thing in the world. Arguably, it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. Right. That, I, I'm so enamored by that. Like, so what is that like? And what is it? What is it like for you when you realize you're in front of an audience that your jokes just don't hit? Uh, it's like, okay, so I'll put it in your parlance. It's an away game. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. So you're like, nice. it's a little, nice. it's a little tight. Yup. Um, and, uh, the basket is going like this. Yup. Cause you don't know. It's like, you don't know. You kind of go, well, funny's funny, but you also don't know, like specifically if you're going to offend somebody or the, or the. You get better at guessing and you get better at being able to save yourself if it doesn't work. But dude, I bomb, like I bomb, I bomb, dude, this show I'm doing now, uh, this is like very funny. <laughs> I was like, I was kind of, or I was like, I was like almost dating a woman. I was thinking about dating this woman. We were kind of circling dating. Uh, she came to the show. A month, I don't know, two months ago, I bombed. Haven't heard from her. No, stop it right now. Stop it right. Swear to God. Like, I mean, I spoke to, like, I knew, I knew literally, I can tell. I did a show Saturday night and I came out 7 a.m. Please welcome Neil Brennan. (laughs) And I, and I can just tell like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And right. it's not the kind of show where I can kind of goose them with crowd work or shit on somebody's right. shirt or like look right. at this motherfucker with a tight ass pants or whatever. <laughs> like I can't, I just have to do the show. Right. There are times where you just got to take it like, oh, okay. Um, what's that? Nine points and two rebounds. All righty. <laughs> it's still a night at the job. I see what yeah, you exactly. mean. It's like my, my, my season stats are still good. Correct. I'm still averaging 26 and nine. <laughs> yeah, still getting like, triple double. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still like that night. It can like, because people don't, the woman actually said to me, I don't know what the, like, whatever, you do a show every day. So you do several shows every day. Yep. But uh, the woman said to me after the show, how do you think it went? <laughs> which is like they don't know like you know there's only a few things people say when you bomb and that's correct. One. Correct. One of them's how do you think it went the other one is my section liked it um <laughs> well i thought uh, it was funny i thought it was fun I, or in, in uh black rooms when you bomb in a black room well it, they in black rooms they go yeah yeah you did your thing um, <laughs> yeah it was they, cool. Yeah, it was yeah, good. No, that was yeah, yeah, it was cool. You did your thing. It was all good. All right. You did your thing. Yeah, you was you was good. You was you was nice. You was all right. So what? Uh, like, and, and, and I joke a lot about this. That there is a difference between entertaining a black audience and a white audience. Can you please acknowledge that fork in the road? I, well, I I've gotten into arguments with uh, black journalists about this where I was like, black audience and white audiences are different. And they were like, you can't say that. And I was like, it's yeah, true. I can. Yes. I have to deal. I'm a dry, I'm a, I'm a formula one driver. A tracks are different. I'm not going to go, well, this tracks in Dubai. Cause, but I don't want to say it's different. Cause I'll seem like I'm i uh, I'm i uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, Islamophobic or whatever. You right. know what I mean? Like, 
or I don't even know if Dubai's uh, Islamic, but I think it is. Anyhow, um, so um, yeah, the, in a black room, eh, you just kind of can't be cutesy. You can't be like overly clever. You can't be, I like, uh, even with on Chappelle show would be like, would this work in a barbershop? Gotcha. And if it didn't, if a sketch, if we ever did a sketch that bombed on the show, it wouldn't, you never saw it. We ended up doing a garbage <laughs> episode, but like you never saw it. But it, afterward, uh, me and Dave would look at each other and I'd go, very smart sketch. Not <laughs> funny, but very smart. Um, so, so it's kind of just got to be like, I would say it's got to be like a little more visceral for, for, for black crowds and less like, huh, less like, thinky or clever or like British. <laughs> um, like, it's just gotta be like fun. I don't know, just like fun, not, like wetter, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, but then people get into like, well, why are you saying that? Are you saying that black people can't come? No, stop it. That's I'm not saying, saying that, that at all. Now, yeah. now, in contrast, tell me about making the white audience laugh and entertain. White audiences uh, are a little more like, will they, they're happy to do a little more of that. They like feeling clever, I think. Mm -hmm. They like feeling like, oh, I got it because <laughs> I put that together and the, uh, uh, uh. Um, and, uh, there's like an old earthquake joke where he said, um, where he said he doesn't, he doesn't sell, he basically, he, he wouldn't sell the, the sentence for crack was higher than, than, uh, cocaine for powder cocaine. Uh -huh. So he would sell cocaine and baking soda together and say, you have to, you're going to have to assemble it yourself. <laughs> uh, but that's, oh my God. Oh, earthquake's so goddamn funny um and uh but it's a bit like that with uh with white crowds where they're like i'm happy to do the work um so i don't i don't again i don't know what that but it doesn't say anything it's just that's what it is correct it is and and, and by the way and, and you mentioned dave and you guys like y'all met at a club right yeah. and and that friendship and artistic collaboration has really given us some classics. You mentioned Half Baked, right? That's one of my favorite movies. The Chappelle Show, all-time classic. But at one time, people looked at Half Baked like a failure. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't catch on initially. And it then it became I mean, cult. Did it achieve cult status? Did you see the Mark Twain prize for Dave where, where uh, there was, I did a speech and a bunch of people gave a speech, but, but I forgot what we opened again. Half-Baked opened against as good as it gets, Goodwill Hunting, hmm. um, 007 Goldeneye, and Titanic. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. Titanic. Like out, all those three quarter in the like, music oh, industry, yeah. Wow. Yeah, like you got your work cut out for you, but like Titanic. Wow, yeah, you can't drop on the same day as Kanye and Drake and Nas and Jay-Z, yeah. yeah. Yeah, although I've heard stories of um, Lionel Richie putting his albums out three weeks after Michael Jackson because he knew people were going to the store anyway. That's a vet um, move. Vet yeah. move, that's why he owns a block allegedly in Beverly Hills. I believe it. 
Um, so, so yeah, so that, yeah, it was, it was a failure. And like, uh, I don't know if you've experienced this professionally, but you know, when you have a failure, um, you kind of don't fuck with each other for a little bit. Mm. You kind of like, there's like a stink to it. And, um, and we didn't fuck with each other for, for a year or two. Cause it was just like, like, I'm not like we, I thought it was his fault or he thought it was my fault. It's more like, I thought he thought it was my fault. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like you kind of like playing defense and he might've thought, I thought he, he was yep. a big star. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. you just start second guessing. Right. I don't know if you've any, Jalen, I don't know if you've had any complicated public friendships, but um, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so you know, it's like it correct. Takes, you're like, uh, you know, the the your most famous one. I'm sure it was a lot of you think he's mad at you, and he thinks mm-hmm. you think he ain't shit, and you, you think he's not. T- just all this like right. cascade of. There's an old saying which is. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Mm. Uh, like I'm, it's yeah. everybody's playing defense against what they think the perception of them is. Anyhow, so so yeah, so like, be, we didn't from that came out in '98. Uh-huh. We were a little dormant for, uh, you know, '99, 2000, and then 2000, around 2001. Uh, we started talking about the the TV show in in O two, mm. but it was you know it's just I mean I'm sure you yeah again I don't have to tell talk you about like, recovery you know. so you you start half bake initially people think it's a flop and then you guys take a hiatus and link back up and do the Chappelle show yeah yeah I mean what, what was you doing but, that three years you was in the lab. Uh, I was actually writing, I wrote a couple movies, sorry, a couple movies that didn't get made with a guy, a buddy of mine named Mike Schur, who went on to create Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec, The mm-hmm. Good Place. Like he's a, he's crushing and mm-hmm. is a huge sports fan. Um, uh, but he, uh, so, so, but basically Chappelle show was a direct response to Half-Baked in that. Mm-hmm we were sort of taken out of the process where the the way half-baked looks the like a lot of the decisions about half-baked were made without us and then they'd bring us in and go all right so we're shooting tomorrow and it was too late for us to say anything right so on Chappelle's show it was like hey every inch every stitch of fabric every Mm -hmm. single decision every staff member every machine every one of us has to approve it. Mm. And, and to your point earlier about the school, it is laborious mm. and it is a pain in the ass and it's kind of the only way to make a good thing. Um, Jerry Seinfeld is a billionaire and the reason his show, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee is good is because a billionaire watches every frame of every shot. Mm. He just, you have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, just cool. the way you have to do it. And right. unfortunately, 
it's it makes it's a it's like I said, it's a giant pain in the ass, but it is a better it's kind of there's no alternative. And, and lastly, I want to make sure I acknowledge this for the audience, because I'm even going to try to get out there and check you out. You're now starring in a new one man show, Neil Brennan, unacceptable. It has been extended. That means it's really popular through November 21st at the Cherry Lane Theater in NYC. And as I mentioned, yes. tickets are clearly going fast. What was it like, your process in developing this show? And what is the biggest thing you hope people take away from watching it? Um, the biggest thing that, well, the, the process was I had a lot of like disparate, I just had a bunch of jokes. Like I was just looking at, like I had an hour of jokes, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I, what am I getting at? And what I was getting at was that I have a lot of outlying opinions or lifestyle choices. And um, it makes me feel like unacceptable. And I, my, I'm kind of like, yeah, but maybe I'm not. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe like, so I'm not married. I don't have kids and I'm 48. Mm. Um, that's not, you know, that's a low, I have a lot of things that are like lonely positions. I don't mm. eat meat. I don't really drink. I don't really smoke weed. I don't really, I'm like getting less ambitious as I get old. Like, I'm not trying to like, I'm trying to grind and get this money. And like, I got to get the bag. And I'm just like getting less and less, um, sort of typical or or i just have like my my like my similarity circle is like really small like if you say really who's neil who, who's neil brennan like like in showbiz or the easy answer is like eminem because they associate him with black people but it's like ah that's not a good analogy because it's i it's i was a writer and i became a comedian i was a writer director and became a comedian like, um, I just, I have a lot of ways in which I'm odd and you get to feel like that when you're odd in a lot of ways, when you're isolated in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. it's hard not to think like it's your fault, Correct. which I think a lot of people experienced during COVID because they were like, why am I isolated? Even though it's a global pandemic and we can't go outside. I think a lot, your bodies that we have cave bodies. Yeah. So our bodies are like, well, we must have fucked up and we must have done something wrong. And the thing I want people to take away is like, ah, you can be, we got to be a little more kind to ourselves mm -hmm. about this stuff. I do a joke where, you know, the odds of uh, marrying a person you're dating are, it's a one in eight chance. Mm -hmm. And then there's a 50-50 chance that the marriage will work. So it's a six percent chance that you'll be in an everlasting loving relationship with the person you're dating 6%. and i'm like which is luck right and i said but we judge each other we judge ourselves and it's we shouldn't because there's it's not humane like we should give each other some empathy we're basically all fans at an nba game taking a half court shot mm. when those fans miss it everyone goes oh they don't mm. go fuck you right think about why you <laughs> right. missed that shot you know what right. i mean like we should be realistic about right. what what uh 
what what our expectations are for ourselves and others. So that's kind of the point where it's and it's like an hour of good jokes. But that the underlying thing is is that. Well, I definitely plan to come support you. I appreciate you taking the time. But before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Nine in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's go, man. Quickly, name all of your siblings. Joey, Sheila, Kevin, Tommy, Mary, Ann, Peter, Nora, Danny. You're a great brother. Well, some of, a few of those people would dispute that. You want me to say their <laughs> names? <laughs> this city has the best comedy scene. Uh, New York. Which Chappelle show sketch are you most proud of? Uh, it's tied for first for different reasons. There's Rick James, obviously, just because it's like the level of difficulty is incredibly high. But there's also a sketch that it's where Dave is, it's called Jury Selection, where Dave is, is up for jury duty in the OJ trial. <laughs> the, uh, like the Michael Jackson trial and a few other trials. And it's one of these sketches that like was a direct argument between us and we needed a sketch really badly. Wow. And it was like, let's go. Like fucking let, uh, like we both saw it at the same time. Like, let's go. And so it's, I, it, he, he actually, I've, he said one time it was his favorite sketch too for the same reason because we just class. needed it we had no dude we were like no we were metal on metal no sketches wow two more yeah who are you dying to have as a guest on how neil feel podcast uh i we don't really have guests we've only had we had blake griffin on he's called in a few times he's a buddy of mine and uh we've had chris rock on i would say barack obama very nice he's kind of the goal he's kind of the gold standard right because he's funny yes. and he's smart and he was the president yes. yes and lastly but certainly not least what advice do you have for aspiring comics um you have to have a standard for yourself in terms of what uh, what's it, what's good and what isn't. It's not what works and what doesn't. Correct. There's like, it's like you can you could you could talk with your ass cheeks. That'll work. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's just the level of difficulty is too low. So um, I would say you got to have a standard. And the other thing is all of the the comedy hall of fame the you know the top the top 10 top 20 top 30 they all wrote their asses off so you mm -hmm. have to write you got to write jokes or else you're you got you're not doing anything well you heard it from neil brennan write 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 there's no substitute for that pen i appreciate you taking the time i look forward to coming and support you as well at cherry lane theaters in new york city thanks jack appreciate the love you too bro Last call. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank Neil Brennan for stopping by the podcast. And it was a joy to write a column about him as well. I really appreciated him inquiring about JRLA. It's truly a labor of love. And talking to him about it made me realize 
that I actually don't flex enough about how much JRLA has actually accomplished. We're open enrollment. We're tuition free. We're public charter. We don't test students in before ninth grade. We don't test them out after ninth grade. And when you graduate from high school, it's not goodbye. See you later. We're a nine through 16 model. We still support you. College, community college, trade school, military, law enforcement. JRLA has been a game changer for the last decade. But you know what? We need more. And you know what we need more of? And that's why I'm fundraising right now, because we need to expand. In 10 years, we've never played a home basketball game. Just think about that. Never played a home basketball game. So that's why I'm raising $8 million right now. In order to expand the school, we need two more classrooms, we need locker rooms, we need showers, and we deserve a state-of-the-art gym. And I'm not going to sleep until it happens. Let's make our youth a priority this year. Thank you again for new.